Peter says that there's people out there today watching every single move that you're making. I mean, so it's not just the government and big corporation and stuff like that. No, there's actually a lot of people today watching your every move. Notice what it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 12. People who do not believe are living all around you. So live such good lives that you will see the good things that you do and give glory to God. See, the word see here in Greek literally just means to observe. So it's not a passing glance, but a concentrated effort. In other words, people are making mental notes about you literally all the time. People are watching you, whether you like it or not, particularly if you claim to be a believer today. Now, what is it exactly that they're watching? Well, they watch to see if your walk matches your talk, aren't they? They watch to see if what you say you believe actually matches what you do. They watch to see if you have integrity. And really, that's what we're going to be talking about today, integrity. Because Peter says that the hallmark of the Christian life is just that, it's integrity. And he says that there are three things that test your integrity more than anything else. And people are going to watch those things to see how you respond to them as you go through life. And it will be in how you respond to these things, these three different things, that will determine your witness or not, whether you have influence or not, whether you have integrity or not. And really, that's what I want to take a look at this morning. Because in this passage, Peter talks about not only what God's done for us, remember chapter 1. Last week we looked at what God has said about us, that you are special in this sight, that you are his. But today he says, here's how we should live in light of all those things. And then he says, in living with integrity, you need to do these three things. So let's start with a super simple one. First one is simply this. Stay away from temptation. <laughs> You're saying, are you kidding me, Pastor? No, stay away from temptation. That's what Peter says. Listen to what he says in verse 11. I urge you to live in this world as strangers and temporary residents to keep clear of the desires of your lower nature, for they are always at war with your soul. Note the words there, keep clear. In other words, if something is tempting you, he's just saying you should get away from it. A person of integrity, if they're watching something on TV or a movie that they know this is not what a Christian should be watching, they don't say, <laughs> nobody knows I'm watching this. Just interestingly enough, did you know that 80% of the males in our culture are addicted to pornography? Now just think about that. So again, it says, if they're a real Christian, right, and they're watching a movie, and they know that this isn't what a Christian should be watching, they don't say, nobody knows I'm watching this. See, a person of integrity will get up and they'll change the channel. A person of integrity will leave the theater or turn the computer off. A person of integrity will lock the refrigerator, refrigerator door, right? Or whatever it is that's tempting them at the moment. He's saying, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. If you don't want to get burned, stay away from the fire. So stay away from temptation, he says. Now you ask why, right? Why, what's the big deal of all of this? And he says you are strangers here, right? And aliens here, exiles. The Living Bible says your visitors are temporary residents. The Greek word here literally means people who don't have citizenship. Now they may have a green card or a temporary visa or maybe they're just passing through, but what he's saying is this. Your real home, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it isn't here on this earth, it's in heaven. You're just passing through, right, guys? You'll be here 60, 70, 80 years or so, so don't get so hung up. Don't get so attached. Don't get so cozy with this world. 
And when all those things tempt you to make this the most important thing in your life, you need to realize, oh, well, that's right, I'm just passing through. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you agree that it's easy to get caught up in our culture today? I mean, it is, isn't it? I mean, as crazy as our culture is, it's just easier to go along, to go with the flow than try to resist everything. But here's the deal. If you live around sin long enough, pretty soon you start becoming comfortable with it. When you hear somebody cuss and take the name, Lord's name in vain, pretty soon you just start saying, you know what? That really doesn't bother me anymore. But it ought to bother you, right? When Jesus' name is taken in vain. Or, or, or if you watch enough sex or violence on the television and the movies and you just get to a point where you say, you know, that doesn't really bother me, me anymore. I, I really don't see it anymore. But Peter would say, if that's happening to you, then you are being seduced. I'll give you a, an example of that. I was watching, the, when I first was married to Beth, we were watching the Anger Management. Just thought it was the most hilarious movie like ever, right? So my in-laws come over, we're sitting down, they say, hey, well, let's watch a movie. We say, great, we just watched a great one, and we put it on. And as I was watching through that movie, as a new husband to my wife, as a, a pastor, is getting to know his in-laws and all those different things, Every cuss word that they said on that movie, every sexually explicit or not explicit, but reference in that movie, it just was screaming off the screen at me. What are you doing, Mike? Why are you watching this with your in-laws, Mike? And I've never been so uncomfortable in my life. Or I'll give you another one. You have these kids and they start growing up and you want to watch some of the shows that you did when you were growing up and all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait a minute. There's too much violence in this, or there's too many cuss words in this, or there's too much sexual innuendo in this. Why is it that for so long we just watch these movies without thinking about a thing, and all of a sudden when we're with, either with our in-laws or with our kids, we start realizing what it is that we're actually watching. When we're seduced by the world, that's when we get to a place that we're in big trouble, that you're slowly caving in give you another example. I actually worked with a lady at my last church, and she, for whatever reason, she was just kind of sharing her soul here, and she was saying, you know, my husband and I, we've started to kind of spice things up in our marriage by, you know, watching a little porn, you know, just to try to spice things up in the bedroom, and I guess she was asking me, like, what I thought about that, and I was saying, I think that's terrible. Not only is it sin, not only is it adultery, but it's one of the, the, the number one things you can do to kill intimacy in your relationship with your spouse, not build it. It's one of the number one things you can do to open up the door to, to infidelity in your marriage, not, not shut the door on it. Two years later, she was divorced. Why? Somebody had an affair. You know, when you just start pretending as if all the sin doesn't matter, that's when Satan's got you. If you don't mind watching other people do it, eventually you're going to end up doing it too, right? The sin. So he says just stay away from temptation. Be bold in resisting it. Friends, he says, this world is not your home. Don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. In fact, let me ask you, would you agree that the world, and maybe especially the media today, is looking for things to find fault with in Christians? I mean, they never have anything positive to say. There's never any positive stories about believers. It's always the nut jobs, the goofball evangelists out there on the fringe. And obviously, you don't want to defend that. I mean, they're nutballs and on the fringe for a reason. You cannot control the lies that people say about you, that the media says about you, that some of these guys screaming on the fringe are saying, but you can't control the truth. 
you do have control over that always in your life. And so I want to live my life, and I want you to live your life in such a way that people actually have to make up stuff about you in order to accuse you. That's what it means to stay away from temptation, that they have to make up stuff just to accuse you. What else does integrity look like? It means also that we yield to authority for the Lord's sake. I think this is a hard one in our culture today. But the second way your integrity is tested is in how you respond to authority. People in government, people in law enforcement, your boss, spiritual authorities like pastors, any authority figures in your life. How you handle that, Peter says, reveals your maturity as a Christian. Listen to what he says in verse 14. For the Lord's sake, yield to the people who have authority in this world, the king who is the highest authority, and the leaders who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. He's just saying respect the king, the government, and the law enforcement, those who carry out the enforcement of the laws, whether they be good or for bad. Note again the word here, yield. He says that you're to yield, and that's the mark of a believer. But how do you yield to authority? I mean, what does that even mean? Well, let me ask you, when you get to a yield sign, what are you supposed to do? You know, or what should you be doing, right? Well, yield just means that you let the other guy have his way first, isn't it? Peter, God, they both say that that is the mark of a true, mature believer. That you don't always have to have your way all the time, right? That you're able to yield, that you're able to give in, able to not be selfish, to submit. Submission, yielding, is not a sign of weakness, God says. Yielding is a sign of self-control. It just means I don't have to have my way all the time. It says I feel good enough about myself where I don't have to have my way all the time. Insecure people, they have to have their way all the time. An insecure person says, I have my rights. I'll just tell you, whenever anybody is saying that, they're just saying, I am scared to death inside about what's going on right now. Mature people are secure people, and they don't always have to have their way. They're able to let things slide, able to let things go. They don't always demand it be their way. So Peter says, this is the way you ought to be as a believer in Jesus Christ. People are going to watch you to see how you as a believer respond to authority. You know, your boss, the government, law enforcement, police officers, whatever. Notice again, it says law enforcement officers are ordained by God. They are sent by him. And God allows government, in other words, in order to establish order, to set up laws. Even bad government, even the worst government is preferable to the chaos or anarchy that so many seek. So you are to respect them. Why? It says for the Lord's sake. Now remember, too, this government of Peter's, right? When he was writing these letters, it was brutal. They were rooting Christians out of their homes. They were feeding them to lions. This was not a good government if you were a believer in Jesus Christ. They were doing a lot of bad things. They were spending like our government is, like they're drunken sailors, right? I mean, they were doing all sorts of horrible things. And Peter's still calling us to respect them for the Lord's sake. But he will say this. I want you to respect them because, not because they deserve it, right? You respect them because the Lord has allowed them to serve you in this way. He's again saying, if you call yourself as a Christian, you represent Christ. And so let me ask you, how are we doing with this in our culture today? In verse 17, Peter says this, Show respect for everyone. Love Christians 
everywhere. Fear God and honor the government. You see, I ask that because sometimes, especially with certain personalities, this can become more and more difficult, can it? So how exactly do we do this? And the simple answer that God gives us is this. You honor the position, not always the personality. And you pray for the position and the personality both, though. It's like honoring your parents, right? The Bible says, honor your mother and father. But somebody might say, what if my parents were bad to me? A woman says, how can I honor my dad? He molested me as a child. Or how can I honor my parents? They were both alcoholics and they abused me all the time. And Peter would say, God would say, you honor the position, not everything that they did. They may have been terrible parents, right? They may have been terrible in parenting, absolutely. But at least God used them to bring you into this world. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. So you honor the position, you honor the authority. Now what if the government tells me to do something that just flat out disobeys God? Well, this is what the early church modeled too. Because obviously your first allegiance is always to God. So he's not talking about mindless compliance here. Because submission sometimes means being willing to suffer the penalty for doing the right thing. If there's a law that says do this and you know it's wrong, God says it's wrong, if you don't obey that, submission means at that point being willing to suffer for doing the right thing. And Peter reminds us that in this life, your integrity is going to be tested. Your integrity is going to be tested by how you respond to temptation. Your integrity is going to be tested by how you respond to authority. And I guess just leading in, your integrity is going to be tested by suffering. In fact, one of the greatest tests of all that you could possibly go through when it comes to integrity is in how you respond to your sufferings in life. Because nothing reveals your character quicker than the problems and pain, I promise you. That's one of the reasons why God allows it, actually. Because when you go through suffering, it really reveals what you're like. You know, Christians are sort of like tea bags. You don't really know what's inside of them until you, you know, put them in hot water. But as long as you live on this earth, you're going to experience suffering. You'll have problems. You'll have pain. Unfortunately, God gave us a model of how to handle that kind of stuff, that kind of suffering with integrity as we go through it. Listen to what he says in verse 21. This is the kind of life that you've been invited to. (laughs) The kind of life that Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so that you would know that it could be done and also how to do it step by step. Jesus is our model of how to handle the sufferings of life, particularly when we're mistreated unjustly. So how did Jesus handle it? Do you remember? (laughs) Scripture says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Did you get that? It's hard. He didn't fight back. Is that the opposite of our culture today? It is absolutely the opposite of our culture. We live in a fight-back generation. We want to get even all the time. The moment we think our rights are being violated, we jump to defend ourselves. But instead, the Bible says, Jesus Christ let God the Father defend him. And we love to jump at giving defense. We fight back, we retaliate, we get even, we make the threat of getting, getting even. We're always so quick to sue. I mean, we may not know the Bible in any Bible verses, but we sure know our lawyer's phone number, don't we? 
You may laugh at that, but what's the first response when you've been wronged and you can't do anything about it? What do people say? I'm going to sue you. (laughs) But God calls us to be different, doesn't he? In fact, one of the acid tests of your faith is how do you react when you're being mistreated? I'm not talking about those stupid things that we bring on ourselves, right? We cause a lot of our own pain, a lot of our own problems. But I'm talking about when you're mistreated unjustly. The Bible says that people are watching you to see how you respond to temptation, how you respond to authority, how you respond to the sufferings of life. Jesus said it like this. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. He says, be a light. So let me ask, what would the people that you work with say about your testimony? I mean, if I were to go and talk with the people that you work with on a regular basis and ask them this question, is this a person a real genuine Christian or not? I mean, what would they say? What would they say about you? What would your reputation be? And you ask, well, why does this all matter? The answer is because if what you say doesn't match what you do, there becomes an insurmountable disconnect to the people in your life. (laughs) And the thing you most disconnect from them is this. It's not you. It's Jesus. So Peter says, God, but God says, be men and women of integrity. Let your light shine so that they might one day find their way back to Jesus. Let your light shine so that your kids know that what you confess at church is what you actually believe. Let your light shine so that the people that you work with can find hope in the same God that you do because they see you grabbing hold of him day after day after day. Let your light shine and be men and women of integrity. And again, remember, Peter's talking to people that were just being beat up by the government, beat up by people in their neighborhoods, beat up by the world around them. If you can find similarity in that today, hear again Peter's words. Be men and women of integrity because of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Guys, go with this prayer today. God, we love you so much and we thank you for Jesus. And thank you for these words from Peter too. I think we get so caught up in the stuff that's going around in this world. We get so angry about different things here or there. We get so frustrated about our life situations or our health or our jobs or whatever that we get all geared up and all ginned up and all this kind of frustration and anger and fear and worry and we forget that you're walking right beside us. We've forgotten that you've got a plan for us. We've forgotten that there's people that you've put in our life that you want not to share our rage with or our frustration with or our anxiety with, but that you want us to share Jesus with. We just lose sight of the point of life sometimes, Lord. We lose sight of why you have us here, Lord. And so I pray today, remind us. First, remind us that you've got us, that we're forgiven, that you have a plan, that you are working all things for our good, that you will be with us every step of the way until we're with you in heaven. And then remind us, maybe you have to scream a little bit loud right now, but that the people in this world are are people that need healing, that they need help. They need to know your forgiveness, God. They need to know your love, And let us remember that our first mission in this world is to help them get to know you. 
But let's let that be our prayer today. Let that be the things that you cause us to remember this week. And we pray all that in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Guys, go with this blessing. May our Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious always unto you. And may he look upon you now with his favor and grant you forever his peace. And all God's people said, amen. Guys, before I let you go today, I just want to encourage this. If this message was helpful at all to you today, I just pray you consider this, you know? I pray that you just send it to somebody that you know. That's my prayer. Just somebody else that you know to spread God's word from computer to computer or phone to phone all the way across this nation. I mean, that's where it starts. Paul was in prison writing letters to everybody. But it changed the world. So my prayer is if this was helpful today, and only if it's helpful, but send it to somebody else and see what happens. See what the Lord might do. So go with that encouragement and have an amazing Sunday. Talk to you later.